you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Acts chapter 21, uh, this morning we're going to return to Acts chapter 21, and I'm going to continue the message that I began last week, which is about the importance of remaining uh, on the course that God has set for you. In this chapter, you may remember that we have observed uh, how Paul remains focused on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to, this is his farewell tour, he's on his way to Jerusalem, then uh, we'll be going on uh, to Rome. And so he remains focused on his journey to Jerusalem. He may not have understood everything that was waiting, he understood some of it, but he didn't understand everything that was going to happen in Jerusalem. He didn't know what was waiting for him after uh, Jerusalem and how he was going to get eventually to Rome. But he, he learned to put those questions, remember, he put those questions in the hands of God and he continued to take the next step, each step along the way. He kept his focus and he stayed on course uh, to Jerusalem. He understood, uh, Paul understood that his daily, and this is huge, and so I said this last week, I'm not going to elaborate on it much today because hopefully you got that from what I said last week. He understood that it was his daily obedience led to God's future promise. What, what do I have to do today? Today I have to do what God has told me that I know that I must do. Amen? I put the future in God's hands. I trust Him with it. Even if I don't see how it's all going to turn out, how it's all going to come together, daily I just obey God. I do what I know that He has told me uh, to do. So Paul understood that his daily uh, obedience led to God's future promise in his life. That is, if he would do, Paul knew that if he would do what he knew that God wanted him to do, then God would do what he didn't know how to do. Uh, he, he just trusted God with that. The one thing that Paul knew that he must do was he knew that he must go to Jerusalem. So uh, he set himself in that direction. And uh, we see in chapter 21 that he would not be dissuaded from his goal, although uh, his friends and his companions attempt to, they try to change his his mind about going to Jerusalem, but he will not be dissuaded from going to Jerusalem. So let's read. Uh, I want to read the verses again because I want to refresh your memory of what's going on here, and then I want to make a few more observations from uh, this passage. So uh, Acts chapter 21, beginning in verse number 1. And when we had parted from them, we set sail, and we came by a straight course to Kaz, and the next day to Rhodes, and then to Petara. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. And when we had come in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unload its cargo. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we departed and we went on our journey and they all with wives and children accompanied us until we are outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship and they returned home. Verse 7, when they had finished, and when we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Potamus and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. And on the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and we stayed with him. And he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. And while we were staying there for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea 
And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and he bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. Verse 15, And then after these days we got ready and went up to Jerusalem, and some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Mason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. God, give us ears uh, to hear it. Give us the capacity, the ability, Lord, to receive it. Anoint me to preach, Lord, with clarity, with conviction. God, send your Holy Spirit to accomplish uh, what is your will this morning. Teach us, Lord, to trust you. Train us, God, to walk in the way that you have prepared for us. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that is following a different path, God, I pray that you would remind them that there is a way that seems right unto a man, but it leads to death and destruction. So reveal yourself to them, redeem them, Lord, to eternal life. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The course that Paul had, uh, the course that God had set for Paul, of course, is uh, leads to Jerusalem. Therefore, Paul was committed uh, to follow that course and committed to go to Jerusalem. And listen, God has a plan for your life also. How many say amen? God has a plan for your life. He made you, and uh, because He made you, He knows the best use for your life. He knows the highest purpose uh, that He has established for your life. And, and the course that he has set for you, whatever it is, it's unique and it's individual to who you are. The course that he has set for you is the surest way for God to do you good and for you to give God glory in your life. He knows the best course for your life. And so that's why I encouraged you last week to, to take the next step. Do the one thing that you know that God has told you to do. Whatever it is that God has been dealing with you about, whatever it is He has been telling you to do and putting before your, uh, in your mind, then that's the thing that you ought to do. Do the one thing that you know that God has told you to do. Uh, even, even if you can't see where it's going to lead, even if you don't know how it's going to end, uh, even if you don't have it all figured out, how it's all going to connect, uh, what you must do is learn to trust the Lord and to just do uh, His will and trust Him uh, for the future. What, what I didn't get to uh, last week were several observations about, about how Paul remained committed uh, to doing God's will and how he was able to stay on course to Jerusalem. And so I want to share those with you this morning. And, and these are very important because uh, how many knows there will always be those things and there will always be those uh, individuals. There will always be those situations 
that will attempt to prevent you from doing what you know God wants you to do. There will always be things that, that will attempt to keep you from doing the, the things that you know that you ought to do. In fact, uh, it may be that you left here last week with a renewed uh, commitment in your heart to do the one thing that God uh, was telling you to do, and then you ran smack into some form of resistance in your life. You, you left saying, God, I'm going to do it. The one thing you've been telling me, the one thing I know that I ought to be doing, I'm going to make a commitment today and I'm going to do it. And then you walk out those doors out there and then you ran right into some kind of resistance to doing. I know that because that's happened to me a lot of times. God, I, I, I agree. I, I'm going to do the thing you're telling me to do. And then how many knows that when you, when you get serious about doing what God wants you to do, that's when you encounter opposition, right? That's when you... That's when you run into uh, resistance. Um, the devil, the devil is, is quick to oppose anyone who decides that they are going to obey Jesus Christ, that they're, they're going to follow him. And so um, if that happened to you, I want to just I want to say I'm sorry this morning, all right, uh, that I didn't warn you that that was going to happen, and um, I'm sorry that I didn't prepare you to confront it. That's what I want to do today. I want to help you today give you some insight from the Apostle Paul about how to remain committed to doing God's will, to stay on course, uh, of the course that God has established uh, for you. Paul encountered resistance on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, it was not that it was a smooth sailing all the way. It wasn't that he had clearance all the way to do it. He encountered uh, resistance. Ironically, most of the resistance, at least in this chapter, in Chapter 21, most of the resistance comes from his friends and his companions. Similar, again, remember I said the similarities between this passage and when Jesus set himself to go to Jerusalem. You remember when Jesus began to tell his disciples, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to be uh, betrayed, I'll be crucified. Who was it that told Jesus, no, 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 that's not going to happen. It was Peter, wasn't it? Peter, no, that's never going to happen to you, Lord. And Jesus said what? Get behind me, Satan, because Jesus knew his course and, and he knew the direction that he was supposed to go. So it's the same thing with the Apostle Paul. That similarity is here as well. Paul has set his direction on Jerusalem and immediately his friends say what? No, 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 don't go to Jerusalem. Uh, we know that there's going to be a showdown in Jerusalem. So his friends and his companions are the ones that resist God's direction in his life. But there are several things that we can learn from Paul's example here uh, in chapter 21 that will help us to keep our commitment to do God's will, to do the thing that we know God's telling us to do, and that will help us to stay on course. Okay, the first one is this. Uh, the, the first suggestion, the first thing that helps us is, number one, take the direct route. Always, when it's available to you, always take the direct route. Verse number one, in verse number one, Luke says that Paul's company came by a straight course to cause. Now that seems to us this morning, that seems unremarkable. Um, and not much to say about that. It seems like a no-brainer. When it's available, uh, a direct route is usually the best route. 
isn't it? The, the direct route. We learned pretty early on that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, and the shortest distance is usually the quickest route, and so we usually prefer the quickest route, the, the shortest uh, distance. Get me there as quickly and as efficiently uh, as possible. However, there are situations uh, that may cause us to want to take uh, the scenic route, right? For instance, we may want to avoid something that is on the straight route, right? There may be, uh, how many of GPS has made this a lot easier today? You just punch in a destination and it will show you the quickest route. But if there's a there's a traffic jam up there, if there's a wreck, if there's road construction, at least mine sometimes will say, hey, there's an alternate route that may get you there uh, quicker. So GPS makes it easier for us to suggest an alternate route. So you might want to, maybe something on your route that you want to uh, avoid. You may choose a less direct route sometimes because it includes some kind of diversion that you want to experience, somewhere you want to visit, something you want to do on your way to where uh, you are going. Uh, maybe it actually is to see the scenery, right? When, when I'm traveling, I'm not that interested in the scenery. I want to get there as quick as I can. However, my family can tell you that I have chosen alternate routes occasionally because it will take us past a Dunkin' Donuts. And so I want to take this road because it goes past a Dunkin' Donuts. And so, so sometimes you might choose the less direct route because uh, you want to avoid something or maybe you want a, a diversion, something you want to go on a different route to find. Finally, um, if you have some reason to delay your arrival at the destination, you might choose, uh, you might not choose the straight course. How I many knows that's especially true if, if there's something, something difficult waiting for you on the other end? If, if there's uh, something you dread that's at your destination, you might choose to say, well, I want to I want to take the long route to get there because I don't want to get there as quickly as possible. I want to delay it. I want to put it off uh, a little. Anybody else? I shouldn't ask you this question. Anybody in the house, when we were looking at, uh, listening to Sunday school this morning, the video in Sunday school this morning made me think of this. Um, he was talking about how school has changed over the years and that you know, when he was in school, he used to be afraid of the teacher and he used to be afraid of the principal, and, and it reminded me of an episode way back in my life. I'm just going to confess because confession's good for the soul, right? I remember way back in my life that I did something in school, and my teacher said, "You," and it was me and my friend that said, "You and you go see the principal." Anybody ever get sent to the principal's office when you're in school? <laughs> and I remember, you know, dreading to go see the principal. And I remember, I'm confessing this one. I remember, you know, we went out and we went to the bathroom, stayed in the bathroom for a little while. Then we went to the water fountain and uh, went to the water. Then we took a little detour down this hallway and walked around because we didn't want to get to the principal's office because uh, we knew what was waiting for us in the principal's uh, principal's office. And so sometimes, it, you know, sometimes it's tempting not to take the direct route, right? Usually we prefer the straight course. Uh, usually we prefer the direct uh, routes. But but if there's something we want to avoid. If there's something we prefer to do rather than what we're going to do, if there's something we dread or something difficult that's at the other end of the journey, 
uh, then we might be willing to say, I want to take the, the scenic route and take my time. Well, who knows, Paul had some reason why he might want to avoid the direct route to Jerusalem. He knew that it was, that it was not going to be a pleasant experience. Again, he didn't know everything, but he knew enough that the Holy Spirit had warned him that trials and adversity and imprisonment awaited him uh, at every turn. And so he had some inclination that when he was in Jerusalem, it wasn't going to be a pleasant experience. So he had, he had reason to take the scenic route if, if he had wanted to. He had reason to rationalize in his own mind why it was necessary for him to go a different direction to, uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, but he didn't. In fact, we've already seen, haven't we, that he, in fact, avoided diversions of his own invention. You remember? The Bible says that he, he refused to go inland to Ephesus because why? He, he didn't want to, not that he didn't want to see uh, the people in Ephesus. Those were folks that he had um, discipled and that he loved. But he, he uh, did not go inland into Ephesus because it was a diversion that would have taken time away from his real goal, which was to get to Jerusalem. So, uh, he didn't want to delay his arrival in Jerusalem. Paul's example illustrates that, that we ought to take the direct route when it's available uh, to us. Even, even if it's difficult, even if it's dangerous, and how he knows sometimes God will call us and expect us to do the dangerous thing, the difficult thing. Even if it's difficult, even if it's dangerous, we ought to take the direct route. When you Here's the key. When you know what God is telling you to do and it is within your power to do it, then do it. Don't, don't delay. Don't divert. Don't look for a detour. Do the hard thing. And do it quickly. Stop, stop rationalizing your own disobedience and just get on course and do it. When the Lord tells us to do uh, certain things, listen, we can come up with a hundred excuses why we don't want to do it, right? God, I don't want it because it's going to be difficult. This person's going to say this. That's going to, I don't, Lord, I, and, and we come up with all kinds of reasons not to do what God has told us to do. And I just want to encourage you this morning, if you want to be committed to God's will, if you want to stay on course, the course that he has for you, when he shows you something to do and it's within your power to do it, then just do it. Do the hard thing. Do, do the difficult thing. Do it quickly. Obey him because it is the fastest route to God's promises in your life. If you delay, listen, if you delay your obedience... And how many knows you're going to delay your blessing as well? There's no shortcut to it. You just, if you want the blessing that comes from obedience, then you have to obey. And the quicker you obey, uh, then the quicker you receive God's blessing and God's promise in your life. I came across this quote from C.S. Lewis the other day. Satan does not tempt good people to do bad things. Well, occasionally he does. Um, but rather, this is what C.S. Lewis says, but rather... He tempts good people to do good things that keep them from doing the things that are important to God. And isn't that how we live our life a lot of times? Oh God, I'm going to do that. But first, I want to go here and do this. 
God, someday, if I had a dollar for every time I heard someday, (laughs) someday I'm going to do that, Lord. Someday, yeah, I'm I'm going to get right. Someday I'm going to start giving. Someday I'm going to, someday, uh, and we say someday I'm going to do that. And what we're doing is we're just putting off what we know that we ought to be doing. Amen. Paul's example teaches us uh, when there is a straight course available to you, when there is a direct route, don't make excuses. Don't rationalize your disobedience. Don't set up detours and say, God, I'm going to get to that someday. One day I'll get there, Lord. I'll do it one day. Don't set the direct route. Take the straight course. Do the hard thing. Do it quickly because the faster you obey, the quicker that you will receive God's blessing in your life. So, number one, set a straight course to do God's will and take the direct route when it is available uh, to you. But number two, seek and you will find. Sometimes uh, the direct route is not available or maybe it's not apparent uh, to you. You're not sure exactly what the next step uh, is. And so sometimes you will have to look for the way or look for the means uh, to continue to do what God has called you to do. Verse 2 says that Paul sought out a ship that was going to Phoenicia. And verse 4, it says that when they arrived in Tyre, when they eventually got uh, to Tyre, the disciples weren't waiting for them like they had been in other places. They weren't expecting him, so they weren't waiting on him. And so Paul actually had to go and he had to look for the disciples. He had to seek them out. How many knows that uh, it is not unusual when you are following Jesus Christ to reach points in your journey where you must find your way forward? You have to find your, the, the, the straight course is not always there. It's not always available. It's not always apparent. Uh, what's next, and where do I go uh, from him? From here? Some of the steps uh, that you do take in your life, they're obvious steps, things that God tells you that you must do. God, sometimes He gives you uh, unmistakable directions. He sends people into your life that are going to uh, reveal God's will perfectly to you, going to confirm God's direction. You remember Peter when he's praying on the, on the rooftop and he receives a vision and uh, about the, uh, the sheep being lowered down, and God says to him, don't call unclean anything uh, that I call clean. And he tells him, he says, some people are going to come, you go with them when they arrive. And the Bible says that, Paul, that Peter is sitting there scratching his head, wondering what it all meant when a knock came at the door. And when they opened the door, they said, Peter, we're here to take you to see Cornelius. I mean, sometimes God makes it that plain sometimes, that straight when you're trying to figure it out, God, what's next? Where do I go from here? God sends somebody. So sometimes the next step is obvious. God opens up the way. He shows you. He gives you unmistakable directions. The course is straight and the route is direct. Other times it's less obvious because the next step may require examination. It may take prayer. It may take effort on your part. It may take preparation on your part. It it may require patience on your part. Think of it this way. Sometimes you know just what to do or God miraculously makes a way for you because there's a straight course that is available because God has people that are waiting to help you. But sometimes it's not so clear. Sometimes it's not so easy. And here's the point. 
Don't confuse those times when it's not apparent, maybe not as clear. Don't confuse those times when the route is not so obvious or when help is not so immediate. Don't confuse those times and simply do nothing. Sometimes in those times we just sit back and say, I'm just not going to do anything. How many knows you can still do something? <laughs> Even if it's not. Uh, have you seen the, uh, my kids and I laugh about the new Winnie the Pooh trailer. Have you seen the trailer for the new Winnie the Pooh movie? I see some of you haven't. You're looking at me like, well, there's a new Winnie the Pooh. I'm not much of a Winnie the Pooh fan, I guess. But the, the trailer is kind of funny because Winnie the Pooh says at one point, he says, you know, sometimes, some people say, or people are always saying nothing's impossible. Winnie the Pooh says, that's not true. I do nothing all the time. <laughs> uh, how many, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to say, how many knows somebody? That's not, well, listen, I'm, what I'm encouraging you this morning is don't have a Winnie the Pooh philosophy of following Jesus Christ. Uh, e even if you're unsure about the way forward, or maybe you're discouraged because something doesn't go your way, something's not waiting on you, uh, that you expected was going to be there, it was going to happen in a certain way. Even if it doesn't happen the way you think it's going to happen, the way is not apparent, it's not obvious. Listen, I'm telling you, don't give up. There, there are still at least, at least three things that you can do and that you should do. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. When, when Paul arrived at that one destination, apparently it wasn't a straight course that was available, so he had to seek, he had to find a ship. It was going to Phoenicia by way of another place and eventually would wind up here, so he had to search for the best route to get where he knew that he was supposed to be. When he arrived at Tyre, the disciples weren't waiting for him to take him and put him up somewhere. He had to look for it. He had to knock on some doors and find uh, the disciples so that he could stay uh, with them. Jesus said that if we will ask and keep on asking, if we will seek and keep on seeking, if we will knock and keep on knocking, then if we will do those things, then we will receive. We will find and a door will be opened to us. So don't do nothing. Do something. Ask. Seek. Knock in order to find God's way forward in your life. The truth is, the unfortunate truth is, that too many Christians give up too soon on God's will. And so they settle for something less than God's best, somewhere short of God's destination for their life, because at some point they stopped asking for direction. They stopped seeking for the best way forward, they stopped knocking on doors of opportunity, and so they become stranded in their journey, on their course that God has set for them. Listen, uh, it is true. It really is true. Nothing is impossible for the child of God. Because God, how many knows, because God is with us. Amen. Nothing is impossible uh, for the child of God. In fact, the devil... Uh, the devil himself cannot stop you if you are walking in obedience to Jesus Christ. 
You can, however. You can stop and do nothing. I'm encouraging you this morning, don't stop. Don't give up. Uh, Even if the way forward isn't clear, even if you're not sure, even if you're discouraged because something didn't work out exactly the way that that you thought it was going to be. Let's just settle this this morning right now. How many of you have ever been disappointed because something didn't go your way this morning? Wow, a lot of y'all didn't raise your hands. Y'all are a lot more fortunate than I imagined this morning. I I need some of y'all. Y'all come up here and preach to us this morning. No, the truth is all of us. We know what that feels like to be disappointed because something didn't go the way we thought that it was going to go. It's in those moments that you have a decision whether you're going to stay on course or not, right? It's in those moments that you you begin to ask God, God, what's the way forward? Lord, I'm going to look. I'm going to find the best way forward. I'm going to knock on doors of opportunity because I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop short of your purpose for my life. I am not going to compromise what your will for my life is. I'm going to find some way to fulfill your will for my life. Can I get an amen to this one? The temptation is always there to stop, to give up, to be discouraged, to quit, especially when the way is unclear or help is not immediately available. But it's in those times that we learn to demonstrate our faith in the promises of God by doing what we can and trusting God to make a way for us. And He will make a way, amen? He will make a way if we keep on asking and seeking and knocking. Uh, Next, next thing we can do to stay on course, keep our commitment, is uh, uh, number three is listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Repeatedly along the way, the Holy Spirit warned Paul about the trouble that lay before him. In Tyre, we've seen that the disciples told Paul through the Spirit, through the Spirit they told Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. And that suggests that they had, that they had received a word of knowledge from the Spirit, through the Spirit they were telling Paul this. So that indicates that they had received a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit about what was going to happen to Paul in Jerusalem, and so they urged him, don't go, don't go to Jerusalem. In Caesarea, Agabus prophesies that Paul will be bound in Jerusalem and that he will be delivered into the hands of the Gentiles. And when they hear that, Paul's companions and his friends urge him, Paul, don't go on, don't go to Jerusalem. In both cases, Paul's friends interpreted uh, these revelations from the Holy Spirit. And listen, Hear me this morning. They were revelations from the Holy Spirit. They were words from the Holy Spirit. But in both cases, Paul's friends interpreted these revelations from the Holy Spirit as reason enough for Paul not to go to Jerusalem. After all, uh, we would say, why would the Holy Spirit warn Paul about the danger in Jerusalem if not to convince Paul to avoid the danger? If you know this is going to happen in Jerusalem, then Paul, why would you go to Jerusalem? Uh, Paul, however, understood, this is very important, Paul, however, understood that these warnings from the Holy Spirit, they were legitimate words from the Holy Spirit, legitimate warnings from the Holy Spirit. Paul understood 
that these warnings from the Holy Spirit did not cancel out uh, the orders that he had received from the Holy Spirit. Now, these words didn't cancel out anything that the Holy Spirit had already told Paul to do. These were warnings uh, from, the, from the Holy Ghost. Um, they were warnings, they were words of knowledge, they were information that was, that, were, that was true, but they didn't cancel out the instructions that Paul had received. Um, uh, have you ever heard the word belay? It's a nautical term. A captain might say, you know, give an order to his crew, and then something happened, and he would say, belay those orders, which means what? Cancel those orders. Now I'm going to tell you to do something different. Forget those uh, orders. Belay means uh, to cancel some orders based on some new information. Oh, something's changed. I, I got some new information, and so belay those orders, and now I'm going to tell you. And that's what, listen, that's what Paul's companions thought was happening. The Holy Spirit was giving them a word, and they thought the Holy Spirit was saying, no, no, wait, wait, belay those orders, Paul. Don't go to Jerusalem. That's a, that's a mistake. But how many knows that never happens with God? Amen? God never belays his orders. God never belays his commandments. God, God never belays his word, what he tells us to do. Amen? Because, listen, he, God never receives new information. Isn't that right? Isn't that great? God never receives new information. It, it's not like Paul, Paul, uh, God said to Paul, go to Jerusalem, Paul, and on the way, then the Holy Spirit revealed something to these disciples, and God said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I didn't know that was going to happen in Jerusalem. Belay those orders, Paul. Don't go to Jerusalem. Forget I said that. Cancel, cancel that out. No, God never receives new information about our life. God, nothing ever surprises uh, God. And so while Paul's companions thought that these words from the Holy Spirit superseded the previous instructions from the Holy Spirit, how many knows that's the way they say Islam works? Whether if it's a later revelation, it cancels out some earlier revelation. That's, that's, not, that's not God's word because how many knows God's word is infallible and it's true, it's divinely inspired. Nothing cancels out, amen? It all holds together, amen? And so the Holy Spirit wasn't belaying those orders that he had given uh, to Paul. If he had told Paul to go to Jerusalem, he knew about the trouble in Jerusalem. He knew what was going to happen. In fact, Paul's orders never changed. And that's something, here's the key for us, that's something Paul understood. It's not something his friends understood. Paul understood that the warnings from the Holy Spirit were legitimate they were words of knowledge, information that he himself had already received from the Holy Spirit as well. They were legitimate warnings, but they didn't change his course, which was something that his friends and his companions didn't understand. Paul heard what the Holy Spirit was saying through his friends, but he didn't listen to what they were saying to him to do. He accepted their words of knowledge, but he rejected their words of instruction. And that's it's very important for us because Paul already knew what God wanted him to do. He had already heard from God, and he knew what his orders were. So this is important. Listen, if you, if you remember nothing else from what I say this morning, remember this, all right? Write it, write it down if you want to. <laughs> um, this is important. You need to know 
what God has said so that you can judge what others are saying. You need to know what God has said so that you can judge what others are saying to you. Listen, that's, it starts with God's Word. That's why it's so important for us to read God's Word. Have a regular diet. Don't just take my word for it. Don't take somebody else's word for what the Word says. Know the Word yourself. Amen? Because you need to know what God has said so that you can judge what somebody else is, is saying to you. It also includes, listen to me, I know um, we're Pentecostal. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. But I want to tell you this morning, it also includes prophecy. It, it also includes words of knowledge. It also includes words of wisdom. Somebody says, I've got a word for you. or God says this to you. Listen, you need to know what God has said so that you can judge what they say to you. You with me this morning? You need to know. It goes for godly advice as well. When somebody comes to you and says, hey, I've got a word of advice for you. I don't think you should do this. I think you should do that. Listen, that's fine. There's a place for that. I believe in words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy. I believe in godly advice, seeking counsel out. But those things, listen, that are poor substitutes for you knowing what God has said to you. Amen? You need to know what God has said so that you can judge what others say to you. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit can't speak to you through other people. He certainly can. We see that with Paul. Uh, he, he accepted these words were legitimate words from the Holy Spirit. But listening to others is a poor substitute for hearing from God. Well, I like that. I'm going to repeat it, whether you said amen or not. Listening to others is a poor substitute for hearing from God. Paul had heard from God, and he knew what his orders were. And, and he knew that his friend's advice, as well-meaning, and listen, and they were not manipulating Paul. They loved Paul. That's not the point. But he understood that their words of advice, their words of caution, as much as they loved him, it didn't cancel out God's orders uh, for him. So you need to know what God is saying to you so that you can accurately judge what others are telling you. And then finally, the last thing is, and I won't dwell here long, don't be fooled by emotions. Don't be led. This is a better way to say it. Don't be led by your emotions. When, when his friends are telling him, oh, Paul, don't go. They're weeping and they're begging him. They're pleading with him uh, to not go to, to Jerusalem. Uh, Paul says what? Why, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? Why? Paul understood uh, that he couldn't be led by his emotions, or, or the emotions of somebody else, for that matter, as well. Paul understood he couldn't be led. Listen, God made us emotional beings, and there is nothing wrong with emotions. Amen? God created us with those emotions. Here's the thing about emotions. Emotions make great servants, but they're terrible masters in our life. If we follow our emotions, then many times they will lead us in a wrong direction. And that's what Paul is saying to his friends here. He is saying, I, I understand. He said, you're breaking my heart, but I, but I can't change 
the, the destination that God I can't change the course that God has set uh, for my uh, for my life. Emotions are great, but emotions can be manipulated. Emotions can change. How many knows we walk by faith, not by sight? We follow God best when we obey His truth rather than following our emotions. Amen. So don't be fooled by emotions. Don't don't follow your emotions. If you want to stay on course and you want to be, remain committed to the God's will, know what God has told you and be focused on staying on course. Here's the thing. Paul didn't avoid God's will when it was clear, when he knew what God's will was, when it was clear and obvious to him. He didn't avoid God's will when it was clear to him. He did it. He set a straight course. He obeyed quickly. He did the hard thing when it was clear. Paul didn't give up on God's will when it was difficult or when it was unclear. And he had to go search and find a way to finish the course and do the thing that God called him to do. Uh, he didn't give up on God's will. Paul didn't exchange God's will for the advice of others. He, he heard from God. He knew what the Holy Spirit had told him. Uh, to do, Paul didn't abandon God's will when it was when he it became emotional and difficult and hard and was breaking breaking his heart. He remained committed to doing God's will, finishing the course that was set before him. And, and interestingly enough, eventually Paul's companions come around too, don't they? At the very end, they eventually come around too. Don't they? they say we couldn't convince him. They said what? Okay, let the let the will of the Lord be done. Let the Lord's will be done. Don't you love that statement? Okay, we can't convince you not to do God's will, and so let the will of the Lord be done. <laughs> and how many knows too often that's how we arrive at God's will, isn't it? When we try our own way to do our own thing, God, I want to go this direction. I'd rather do this. I'd rather, why don't we do it this way? And we try to avoid God's will, and it's only when we can't avoid God's will any longer that we finally say, okay, let God's will be done. And so Paul's companions finally reached that point. Reluctantly, they accepted God's will for Paul's life. Here's the thing about Paul, though, and here's the key to all of it. Paul, Paul had already surrendered to God's will. Not reluctantly, he didn't wait for God to finally back him in the corner and get him to a place like his friends where he said, okay, your will be done, God. Whatever. I'll, I'll do it your way. <laughs> no, Paul willingly, before this, before he set out to Drew, willingly Paul had surrendered to God's will. God, I want to do your will. I want to obey your will. I want to follow my course. I want to do what you've called me to do because I know that it's the quickest and it's the best way for you to do good in my life and for me to give glory to you. And so I'm going to remain committed to doing your will. I'm going to obey you quickly when I can, when it's easy and it's obvious to me. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to rationalize my own disobedience. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. And when I don't know and when I'm confused, it's unclear, I'm going to ask. I'm going to seek. I'm going to knock. 
I want to keep on until you reveal your will to me. You make the way clear to me. And I'm going to and then I'm going to do it. I'm going to hear from God myself. I'm going to know in my heart of heart of hearts what God has told me to do. And I'm not going to let anybody dissuade me because I'm convinced of what the Holy Spirit has, has told me uh, to do. And I'm not going to let my own emotions or the emotions of anybody else lead me astray. I'm going to be committed to the course that you have for me. And that's the kind of commitment that we need as well. If we want to remain committed to God's will, if we want to finish our course, if we want to stay on course, then those are the commitments that we have to have also. 